I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome back to Hit Me One More Time, the Nostalgia Reflection podcast that looks at the things we loved when we were younger and asks the question, is this good? I'm David Luzader, and uh, before we get to that, we'll get to previously on Hit Me One More Time, which will take up roughly uh, half of the episode length just to recap what, what had happened. And once that's over, I'll finally introduce Nick Shermooksness. Uh, so I'll do that now and edit in the previously on later. Nick, hi. Hi, I was I thought about just sort of screaming the whole episode instead of really adding anything meaningful. Um, but like I really don't have it in me. If if you get angry so, at me, will you yell my name like your Vegeta? Uh, my hair is already blonde. <laughs> you you, you died it. Now, Nick, I have to ask a question. Um, and we'll, we'll get to our guys in just a second here. But uh, how does it feel growing up as a Yamcha? Wow, that's um, dude, shots fired. That's, Ouch, that's that's deep and profound, and also like the wound <laughs> is deep and profound. That, uh, wow, what is all that? Yeah, ouch, ouch. I, oh. yeah, I, I don't mean it. You're really more of a uh, oh, I forget the the short, the not not Krillin, Krillin, the, Krillin no, right? not Krillin, the other like 10, 10 the one with the face paint, yeah. Oh, is it the you know like the short, uh, chubby guy that cuts off the tail, right? That's like his big claim to fame during the uh, Vegeta Napa saga. I don't, man. Okay, we're getting into specifics here, and as you can hear, we yeah, have we a great. Got... We have our guest here. Uh, our guest here is Ian Rowe of Camp Reeducation. Ian, thanks for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. I was I was telling you off the record how much I love the premise of your show and everything you guys are doing, and now I'll just put it on the record to uh, let everybody listening know how uh, you know blessed they are to be tuning into what you guys are bringing uh, to the to the table. Oh my god! And I'll say I... on the record, thank you. Yeah, I paid, yeah I, you guys can just cut the check out uh, whenever you want as well. I was going to um, say, I paid so. him 10 bucks to say that. Uh, for people, before we continue on with our, our show and uh, Dragon Ball Z, uh, what is Camp Re-Education? What, what's that all about? I'm, I'm so glad you asked, Nick. Thank you. Uh, so Camp Re-Education is a, the podcast I have with my dear friend and co-host, um, a gentleman by the name of Shay Langford. And what we do is we essentially kind of do a, a hands-on learning podcast, hence the re-education. So I would say it's uh, equal parts comedy, uh, education. And what we do is like we try to approach a topic that we think we know something about, and um, we'll kind of put our biases and preconceptions to the test. And We'll immerse into something for two weeks, and we keep captain's logs for that first, uh, you know, treacherous trudge through, you know, learning. And then we end our show with uh, interviews with experts. Um, we've done topics ranging from things like summoning demons, microdosing LSD. Uh, we did makeup. We did 24-hour live streaming. We have done, uh, we're, the, the series coming up next is going to be Making American K-Pop. So uh, we we like to get our hands dirty with uh, some frivolous things, some more serious things, and uh, yeah, it's 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 fun. So you guys should uh, check it out when you're done listening to hit me one more time. Of course. Can can you spoil for the audience? Did you successfully summon a demon? Turns out demons aren't real. Who knew? I, I was just curious. I thought maybe there was a chance. Maybe, <laughs> maybe no, we were. To, I mean, we were really excited we were like oh my god like we're actually going to summon a demon like, this is going to be crazy our whole worldview is going to be turned upside down and i mean it was just uh 
really kind of in vain. And we, we, we kind of try to push it to the limit as much as we could. Shay was actually like breaking into abandoned buildings and like, you know, making pentagrams and trying to summon Belial. So he, he really got into it. And he was, I think, pretty heartbroken that, uh, that, that nothing happened. So. But wouldn't oh, you have felt that you bad on the off chance it worked? Like, <laughs> oh, like we figured this wouldn't work, but now the world is doomed. Can you, Yeah, like, can you imagine that? You bring about the apocalypse and people were like, why did you do this? And I was like, I to get people to like and subscribe to my podcast. <laughs> that, oh, that will be why the world eventually ends. <laughs> I mean, it used to be we're doing it for the vine. Now we're doing it for the podcast and those darn podcasters and their patreons uh real quick i i also was just curious not about the demon summoning which uh i mean i do have curiosities about but you know (laughs) we've 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 milked that topic a bit was there anything (laughs) with camp re-education that you thought like oh yeah okay i know a bit about this or like i i know this going into it and then you were very surprised to learn how much you didn't know once you got into it you know honestly probably makeup Mm-hmm. Um, makeup was one of those things and, uh, you know, I don't want to make any assumptions, but, um, it, 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 you guys strike me as, uh, two gentlemen that have also never, uh, delved into the world of, of makeup and foundation and concealer, you know, blush eyeshadow. So it's like one of those things where it's just like kind of omnipresent in your life. Um, be it, you know, you have a parent that wears makeup, a sister, um, a, a partner, and you're just kind of like, yeah, I, I get this. Um, but it wasn't until we were like buying products and like putting things on that we were really kind of like, wow, this is really involved. We ended up interviewing um, like a, a beauty pageant or, or a beauty contestant from Miss uh, Universe. Um, she was this uh, absolutely fantastic woman. Um, whose name is escaping me right now. Oh my God, that uh, stinks. That's a, but uh, that's... We, had the, we had the good fortune of interviewing her. We actually got to interview um, an editor for a fashion magazine or, or a, a beauty magazine in Korea. And she actually, because of a non-disclosure agreement, had to do the interview anonymously. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, it was just like this whole world that you're, it's kind of obvious, I guess, on, on the surface. But once you really start diving into it, especially as someone who's like, never bothered with it. it that was i think one of the more surprising camps i was like there's a lot to this um so definitely probably makeup huh that's no that's that's really cool they're makeup yeah. and demons this is a really <laughs> good start to the time well they wanted to summon that demon to put to uh, put makeup on it um you know i i can only imagine yeah my my history with makeup is largely i did theater in high school surprising nobody uh, so <laughs> I, I had a little bit of experience there, but it was not in the intricacies or the level that even like my girlfriend is very big into makeup and will, will watch stuff all the time where she's like, oh man, her makeup is so well done. Or like that's their makeup is so good. And I, I'm like, I didn't even notice. That's not even something that occurred to me, yeah. but is on her radar. Uh, so that's, that's really cool. That's, that's very, that's an interesting topic that I think, yeah, a lot of people, it's so much in the day-to-day that people are like, yeah, yeah, makeup, sure, I know about that. Uh, but there really is so much more to it than you think. Yeah, we were we were really shocked by the artistry. And, you know, we watched a lot of uh, makeup, like, YouTubers and makeup tutorials and stuff. And there was actually this show called, uh, I think, James Charles Next Influencer or something like that. And um, I, I always feel bad kind of uh, like making fun of this kid, but there was this young 18 year old who's like, I'm going to be the next makeup influencer. And like the first episode they come out uh, and it's like, do a look that you think best defines who you are. And like, they all kind of pull off these masks and reveal their look. And um, this one kid just painted mountains on his face <sighs> and like a sunset. 
and everyone had just done like a you know interesting makeup and then he literally just painted mountains on his face and everyone was like okay this is interesting um why did you do this and he's like because i like mountains and they were like okay you are off the show you are not the next influencer goodbye mountain boy and you know they do the confessional and he was like i can't believe they didn't like my mountains i mean you know Sometimes you got to strive to be different and it won't always work. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, kudos to him for uh, really kind of going out on the um, on the lamb there, but uh, not on the lamb. Good God. On what is limb? the expression I'm looking for? Go, going out on a limb, maybe? Going out. There we go. It's like, oh, that's not it. Not on the lamb. He's not, running, he's not on the run from the <laughs> he's law. Run but from the police. Yeah. yeah, he definitely, he, he went on a limb. The limb broke. He crashed to the ground. But, you know, uh, lessons learned, I guess. I, I guess. Well, unfortunately, not, not for, I'm going to do that again. That was a bad transition. This episode <laughs> will be dedicated in their honor. Yeah. Uh, but now to shift gear All to something. All the fallen makeup heroes. There we go. Now to, to shift gear to something with few surprises in it, in the way that maybe the world makeup does, uh, something that really got into its own pattern, but we still watch it obsessively anyway. That is Dragon Ball Z. This anime follows the adventures of Goku, one of the last of his race called the Saiyans, as he and his friends protect the Earth from evil both terrestrial and intergalactic. This is a topic that I'm imagining a lot of people our age are perking up their ears, being like, Dragon Ball Z? Oh, yeah, I remember Dragon Ball Z. But Ian, since you're the one that brought this to us, what is your history with Dragon Ball Z? What... Paint us a picture of you as a child enjoying this anime. <laughs> so I, I always, I kind of always call like Dragon Ball Z the 9-11 of cartoons because like everyone oh, remembers where they were the first time they watched Dragon Ball Z. Um, fair. And I remember I was at, a, I don't know what, what it was. It was like at my grandparents' house or something and uh, just kind of watching TV on their, their back screened in porch. And it's just, you know, soap operas, uh, Doug Funny. Just the usual rigmarole, and uh, I'm flipping through the channels, and like all of a sudden, I watch this uh, cartoon where this guy gets shot through the chest with some sort of power beam by an alien, and I'm like, "What the hell is this? This owns." Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much like after that, I remember like going home, and you know how like it's just the greatest injustice in the world to a kid when you're when you're out of town uh, and all the TV channels are different, you know? It's like <sighs> it, it, at my house, Nickelodeon was 42, Cartoon Network was 45, but, you know, Cal, Florida, Cartoon Network was like 19. Like, who's who's in charge of, of, of this? Mm -hmm. um, so I just remember, like, going home and being like, oh, my God, like, what was this cartoon? And, like, literally, I think for maybe a week or two, this is, like, pre-internet. Like just flipping through the TV constantly, like trying to find this cartoon with this green guy shooting laser beams into people's chests. And then like, you know, finally I found it and I was just, I was just hooked from that moment on. I was like, this is so ridiculous. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. It was, but, 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 but like beyond that then, uh, was there a point that you remember stopped watching it or that it kind of fell off for you? Or did, did you watch all the way, all the way through Evil Boo Saga all the way up to the end? Um, so, you know, I think I started watching DBZ when I was in like fifth grade and, uh, I think I was a, a freshman in high school and it just was one of those things that very early on, you kind of realized if you were going to survive, it, it, it was, I, I think this is still like the era where, you know, kids were getting beat up for being nerds. Now they're like, you know, praised and lauded for it. <laughs> but I remember being at like a friend's house or whatever. It was like a sleepover. And, um, you know, I was flipping through the channel or whatever, and it was like, like late at night, Toonami, it was like the unedited Dragon Ball Z. 
and it was like the cell saga and uh i think piccolo had just gotten his arm sucked off by oh that sounds weird um his arm had been sucked out by a uh, cell's tail and i was like oh my god guys this is so awesome we have to watch this and they were like dude you watch you watch cartoons what are you loser and i was like no i'm just kidding i said let's watch it ironically let's let's uh wrestle and uh smoke pot from your sister's room um <laughs> you know so as, i as think you uh yeah that was a weird overcompensation on my part but um yeah, it was. I think in like high school, I was like, "Oh man, like I I can't watch this anymore. Like I'll, I'll be a dork if uh, people catch me." So Oof. I think that's when I kind of uh, stopped, or maybe watched it in secret a, a little bit ashamedly. Hmm. I I I feel that in my soul. I remember um, I was not in, <laughs> surprising news coming from the person that said they did theater uh, five minutes ago. I was not a very athletic child, and uh, did baseball one year i think to appease my father um or at least just my parents in, in general and i remember not loving the time of our practice or some of our games because that was the time that dragon ball z came on uh but that was not a love that was shared with the other kids on my team and i remember when they found that out they there there was some making fun of me that happened and uh i remember uh i i'm gonna tell the story it's horribly embarrassing but what is podcasting worth if we don't dig into these horribly repressed memories uh where i i would get very defensive of dragon ball z and they one kid made fun of like one of the attacks that they do because they they do the repeated attacks all the time and i was like no no no, you're doing it all wrong and proceeded to do a kamehameha in, <laughs> in, in like the little dugout of our baseball team and uh that's one of those things that whenever i think about it i want to collapse inside myself like a dying star and never re-emerge from the gravity well that is my own shame yeah how was that kamehameha received by the way like uh i'm assuming you didn't get a walk-off round of applause it was it wonderfully um i got a, you know a trophy at the end of the year for coolest kid uh yeah which often often i learned uh was was my lot in life uh i i i was but that aside, where I very, at some point, also kind of realized, like, oh, I'm a nerd, but I think I'd always kind of been a nerd, so I accepted a little bit more. But it did drop off for me a little bit, kind of around the same time getting into high school. But before then, oh, oh, was I into Dragon Ball Z. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I, I got into it, I think, some point in the Frieza saga which was the the probably I would say the most famous thing that people know. That's when everybody was watching Dragon Ball Z before the cool kids dropped off it. Uh, I think that was the height of the show, to be completely honest. I, I think the Frieza saga is like holds a special place in in uh, animated cinematic history as just uh, you know like DBZ classic. I, I think that's definitely like the pinnacle of DBZ for sure. That was that's the time to like latch on. Yeah, I, I definitely want to talk break some more into that because that's an interesting perspective. Um, but man, I just remember, oh, like when, I, like I, I have particular memories. It's like that. That's funny that you said it's like the nine eleven of animes because like there's all these moments I can remember very specifically watching and like where I was like when Trunks first showed up and Goku disappeared and what's happening and I was just so into it and there's a part of me still that like wants to go back and revisit it, uh, but where would I ever find the time? And I think I just need to have a kid at this point as an excuse to, <laughs> to plot them in front of it. Uh, but Nick, how about for you? What were you a Dragon Ball Z nerd? Were you were you one of our kind, or you were one of the cool kids that had nothing to do with it? No, I um, 
Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I mean, I guess the beginning is just about the same as any as everyone else. Um, I don't to be. I guess to to ruin the the whole joke, I actually don't really remember where I was when uh, I discovered Dragon Ball. I feel like there was just a before time and then an after time, and it's all <laughs> kind of a nebulous drug induced haze from there. <laughs> but Dragon, yeah, but I mean, like once it was you know on my radar, like my brother and I and and my little sister, like we, it's just something that we kind of absorbed. And I mean, when I say that, like for me, I actually, when, when we, this became the, the topic of choice, I went to my siblings to ask them, you know, what episodes would you recommend to watch if I just had to kind of like flit around the, you know, the 200 something plus episodes that there are. Uh, and they gave me, I, I thought, some pretty good uh, uh, select uh, episodes, the sort of cross section of maybe the best and worst that Dragon Ball has to offer. Um, but I think as you, as you both were saying, the, the, the the saga that i remember most is the frieza saga um and uh in on pawn reflection i basically i think watched uh, primarily most of the frieza saga and then a bunch of the boo saga and that was it and it uh found out a lot later that there was like six other sagas to, to go through <laughs> but i think even after the frieza saga i was like oh my gosh like even at a younger age i'm like why do they keep grunting um but but i still loved watching dragon ball and i guess i'll get uh, i i very distinctly remember there was a um uh a family member of mine who had passed away and one of the things an older family member and one of the things that my brother and i would do with them was uh we <laughs> maybe against their will but like would convince them to watch dragon ball with us so there was like a distinct sort of like we expected them to be there to watch the next episode so i you know in my younger self you know when when they had passed away i remember that like one of the concerns i had one of the things that sort of made you know the grief in me kind of well up was this idea that we were never going to finish the frieza saga in reality though i'm also in my early 30s now and i still haven't technically finished the frieza saga in its entirety so i might also never finish it well to be fair i don't think any of us have actually finished the frieza saga because it might still be going on that planet lasted a long time in those last uh last five minutes I, I actually looked it up. The uh, the five minutes it took Namek to explode spanned nine episodes. <laughs> so that is less episodes than I would have thought if you would ask me <laughs> how long I thought that happened for. Good, uh, nine. Oh, boy. All right, we're going to get to all that here soon. But this is the part of the show before we get to our discussion where Nick tells us a bit about the world's history with Dragon Ball Z. So, Nick, would you mind? I will not mind. Yep. Manga artist Akira Toriyama had created a popular series called Dr. Slump in the 1980s that he wanted to end roughly six months after starting. His publisher agreed that he could only if he made another serial for them after, which is a very weird business arrangement. Uh, Drawing on his love of kung fu movies, especially Jackie Chan's Drunken Master, he created a two-part story called Dragon Boy in 1983 that evolved to become Dragon Ball with a plot and characters based loosely on the Chinese novel Journey to the West. An anime adaptation of the manga was widely popular, but ratings began to decline and a revamp of the series was sought. They ended Dragon Ball and created a new series that would be based on the final 325 chapters of the manga with the title Dragon Ball Z. 
Toriyama said he picked the letter Z because it was the last letter in the alphabet. He was running out of ideas and he wanted to end the series. But, and I'm putting, I'm adding this in, he was lying. Uh, Dragon Ball Z was more serious than its predecessor and became widely popular worldwide. 291 episodes were made until its end in 1996, though several more sequel series have been made following its end. 23 Dragon Ball Z movies have been made and a remastered edition called Dragon Ball Z Kai was released for the 20th anniversary that also reduces the episode count to 167. Let that sink in for a second. 291 episodes were reduced to 167. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be fair, like for anyone that's ever seen Dragon Ball Z, like that, uh, that I assume that just means they cut out like hours worth of guys yelling at each other, you know? <laughs> Probably, yes. And despite all that, the Dragon Ball franchise continues to be successful today and is worth an estimated 207, sorry, not 207, $27 billion worth of screaming. Yeah. That's, that's an insane amount of money for it's... a cartoon. <laughs> It, it is an incredibly, yeah, incredibly successful franchise. And to your point of cutting out all that time of guys screaming, I very clearly remember. So the first time that uh, Goku goes Super Saiyan, there is an entire episode where he is just powering up and it's the whole episode is him just reflecting on becoming stronger and what he needs to do to defeat Frieza and other people also thinking about how strong Goku is. That is the entire episode, is just people looking at Goku standing in a field with lights around him as he's going like, ah, I need to be so strong, ah, and like Krillin being like, uh, this may have been before Krillin was cut in half by Frieza, I don't remember, but <laughs> Krillin being like, he's so strong, and Vegeta being like, no, I will be the first Super Saiyan because I'm Vegeta Kakarot, you know, stuff like that, and that was an entire episode. That was a thing that I I watched, and I remember even being young and being like, well, wh "Why isn't he the Super Saiyan yet? Why didn't Why didn't he just become the Super Saiyan now? Why do I have to wait next week for that?" And I, I feel like it's you know I, by, by no means am I an expert in sort of like the the behind the scenes production aspects of these things, but I know what the the popular understanding is that they the reason that there was so much of this extra filler was because the manga was still going on concurrently and they were trying to sort of not get ahead of it um, so they could have gone in like say the game of thrones direction where they just sort of were like oh, let's wrap this up as quickly as we can but i feel like it, even though i only watched a handful of episodes before before the recording this the it, it's not the, the characters are charming you know like the 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 aesthetic a lot of the times is, is just it's 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 a there's a reason it's fun there's a reason that it's popular i don't think the incessant screaming is part of that maybe more as a meme but like i i don't think that like if they had just asked like akira toriyama like so what comes next like so we could just be prepared we could probably just kind of like keep doing it like it's not like there's a ton of plot to work on. Like bad guy is super powerful. We have to get more powerful. They get more powerful. Bad guy is defeated. Whoa, whoa. Sometimes slow, come back. Slow down, Nick. You're only describing every plot point in Dragon Ball Z. So I guess I guess another question right out of the gate is if this is essentially the crux of the show, you know, like people kind of standing around, uh, you know, quote unquote, powering up, yelling, like why the immense popularity like why even with this formula this very repetitive formula that we saw time and time again why did it become so you know uh, iconic i think because 
that part is very easy to make fun of where, yeah, it's, it's guys standing around grunting and there, there is a lot of that to its detriment. Absolutely. There's, there's far too much of it, but I think it's the in-between moments of the fighting and some of the action is like pretty cool. You know, there's some, some great moments that I, I very much enjoy in, in some of the fights, but I think that actually like the characters are pretty good. Like, People can argue that Goku is boring. Goku is very obviously Superman, right to the point of he was sent from a, another planet uh, that was dying or did die and is now the super strong, unstoppable defender of our planet. Like, he's he's just Superman, let's be honest here. But he's he's stupid in an endearing way, and he is, you know, doesn't ever give up, and he's the protagonist that will always try and... and will sometimes literally use his head to win an argument by headbutting somebody. And then you have Piccolo off to the side, who is this very serious, very stern character who also is a good guy and has some, some heart to him. You have Vegeta, who the older I get, the more that I love Vegeta, because Vegeta is the super interesting character who is also a Saiyan, and he's a prince and should, to him, rightfully, Saiyan power is is his in his mind, but he sees this person who is a what is essentially like a, a country bumpkin that is Goku, who is at every turn better than him, who is at every point more powerful than him. And so he has the struggle of trying to be a good guy because he wants to be good to be better than Goku. And there's lots of like humor and stuff. I, I think there is so much more around the action that actually adds to it. But the action is obviously what kind of like made it popular to begin with and what is very easy to make fun of because sometimes fights that are supposed to last five minutes last nine episodes. And I don't know how they dare justify to us that and I think, that happens. And I think also, I mean, as far as the popularity aspect, it's I, guess, it's, I suppose in a, in a real way it's hard to nail down. But also like as children, and certainly when we were all children, we had the text we had the time to sit through you know the screaming right I, we keep coming back to that but that was literally like when i sat down the one of the episodes i watched was um the episode the, i think the first one i watched was when goku goes super saiyan for the first time and you know it happens like right at the end of the episode and then everything before that was sort of some grunting and like frieza no and then there would be like like there was a moment <laughs> where um krillin and goku are celebrating and then Krillin kind of looks off like behind Goku or whatever. And it's just like, ah. and then Goku's like, what's going on, Krillin? Like he just keeps looking at Krillin. Like, what are you, what are you looking at, Krillin? Like, but keeps making eye contact with him. And then like 30 seconds later, finally turns around. But oh, but then you cut and you see like Gohan's reaction, da, 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 like down the line. And then finally, like 50 years later, you realize that Frieza is still alive. <laughs> yeah, Frieza yeah. never dies. Frieza always. Yeah. Has <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it's funny too because like I was I was thinking about this leading up to uh, meeting you guys and recording, and um, I I think a lot of it is just like it's it was uh, this like suspense and, and build up. You know, like I think um, up until that point, all the cartoons we had seen as kids, I mean, like they weren't serialized. I guess the way that Dragon Ball Z was, where you know. It, it, 
can you imagine Tom and Jerry stretched out over the span of nine episodes? <sighs> like, like, like Tom looking at the mouse hole and uh, just like, and it cuts back and forth between Tom staring at the mouse hole and Jerry staring out at the cat. Like it, it it's weird. It, it shouldn't work, but for some reason it does work. And I, I think it is this like really weird kind of uh, payoff. And it's funny because you see that kind of patience in other uh, popular, I guess, Japanese entertainment too. Like Pokemon was like that. I mean, Pokemon is a, is a video game, the most popular video game in the world, centered on this idea of like patience, walking a guy around in the grass, catching like, you know, um, beating up a million uh, birds with an electric mouse um, so that it can learn a new Thunderbolt attack that you can uh, make it do on a starfish. So it's like this weird formula I feel like we see a lot in Japanese entertainment, Japanese media that uh, like for some reason, like I don't think it could work in, a, in an American format, but for some reason works as a as a Japanese one. And it's still it's like we couldn't do ourselves. It's probably a wrong statement to make, but like it was still incredibly popular in the US. And I think on top of that, it was just the fact the show is very simple, right? And and kids, you know, gravitate. Kids can handle sometimes complex things, but they do gravitate to really simple concepts. And the concept of you know people liked Goku. He was likable, but he was also powerful. And a lot of kids don't necessarily feel powerful. And I think you know we're gravitating to these underdogs that you know finally reach that moment where like their power is realized. And I think that's a very compelling. Uh, and and, t and tempting, you know, idea for kids to to yeah. gravitate to. Yeah, and their power seems to lie in anger too, which is like when you're a kid, that's like your only power. <laughs> it's, it's like throwing a temper tantrum. Temper tantrum. And um, so I think there's that, there's probably something in that too. And uh, I mean, yeah, like like I kind of mentioned earlier, like Dragon Ball Z was the first cartoon I watched where I saw the main character die. Like, can you imagine yes. watching Dexter's Lab and like his computer falls on him and he dies, and they just carry on the show without him for. For half a season yeah that that was something i was going to mention as well the stakes were always pretty high like these fights were always life or death fights and even if we knew the hero was going to come out on top at the end there were some times too where they didn't like very early on like you said goku dies goku dies in the first 20 episodes of this in which it's a continuation I think it's episode three or four i i, oh, I watched yeah. that was one of the things i went back and watched and i was like wow i don't remember this happening this early yeah and he goes and like is on the snake road or whatever it is called after that. Uh, and it was a, it was a continuation of Dragon Ball it was the same story, but like for us here, Dragon Ball didn't air, at least in my memory until after Dragon Ball Z was on. So I didn't have this like long history of with, with Goku. It's just like, we're introduced to this guy and then immediately he dies and it's like, Whoa, okay. That's, that's pretty intense. Uh, I think too, as kids, we didn't have, a little bit of the cynicism we have now of like, you know, the popular trope now is uh, the the big blue light in the sky. You see these in Marvel movies all the time where it's like the world is going to be destroyed because of a big blue light that's pointing up to the sky. And we know the heroes are going to stop the big blue light. They're going to save the day. Okay, great. It's really hard to make those moments and scenes have weight to us now as adults, where I think back yeah. then we were buying into it. We were much more excited all the time of like, this planet's going to explode. No, that's so sad. <laughs> like they got to stop the planet from exploding because we don't want planets to explode. And I mean, the planet ends up actually exploding uh, that, that I think when there is a chance for interesting payoff, they do sometimes take it. Uh, but even when the heroes succeed and beat the bad guy as kids, we love it. We're not, we're not thinking of how predictable and tired that is. We want it to happen.
Yeah. Well, it's funny too, because I mean, uh, speaking of tropes, like Dragon Ball Z may be the the tropiest show there is. I mean, like every single trope is there, mm-hmm. like aliens, long lost brothers, time travel, magic, amnesia, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, transforming, everything's there, I, I, which, you know, as a kid, you're just like, oh my God, this has everything. I love this. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it really does. And it's influenced so much like so naruto would not exist today without dragon ball z and the creator has even said that like i was inspired by dragon ball z or in dragon ball and that's why i i have made naruto and naruto suffers many of the same problems that i think this does which is it goes on forever and everybody's got a secret technique that even though they showed you their secret technique, they had one more secret technique they've got to show you. And in the end, the hero wins because they're too determined. They're they're too determined slash too stupid to lose. So there's something about that, that as an adult, I angry got through Naruto because I'd already, I invested so much time. I'm like, I'm going to finish this because I've already wasted years of my life reading it where Dragon Ball Z it was all new and fresh to me back then. I was like, yeah. Oh no, there's an Android from the future who's trying to destroy them. Ah, that's so terrifying and frightening. And then whatever Majin Buu was, which is like bubblegum that came to life. I don't know. I stopped watching around then. That's just what I assume Majin Buu was. Bubblegum bubble gum that came to life. That's what he looks like. <laughs> I mean, look at him. <laughs> that's not bad yeah it's it's funny that you mentioned yeah like a, a lot of um how much it's just kind of uh not marinated into the culture good god seeped seeped into so many different aspects of the culture like if you watch the new uh superman movie that came out i think what you guys know which one i'm talking about right yeah, uh, the remake with henry cavill is that his name yeah, the yeah. the british guy with the world's most beautiful chin yes man yeah. of steel no. uh, yeah like i mean the fight scenes between him and the other uh Kryptonite, Kryptonians, or whatever. Like those, I remember watching that movie and just being like, "These look straight, like ripped straight from Dragon Ball Z." Like the the style of the fighting, the speed, the way that they're like crashing into and onto things. Um, and you know what else is funny? Watching DBZ too is like uh, revisiting it this time for the for the show. It's amazing how many how much Western movie influence I see. Like the 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 dust blowing on the planes, the two characters kind of squaring off with each other, almost like they're about to you know, draw their pistols and shoot only their pistols are their, their hands and the, the, you know, it's they're they're shooting key or something at each other. Yep. You know, I always felt a little bit bad for Krillin as Dragon Ball Z went on because Krillin is the strongest a human can possibly be. Krillin, (laughs) Krillin is an amazing specimen. He is like four feet tall at best uh, but could destroy any human being who, but he is surrounded by robots and aliens that are infinitely more powerful than he can ever hope to be. And he always holds his own. Right, exactly. Well, until he dies. Until he gets cut. In, <laughs> he got cut in half by Frieza. It was, that was, I thought he got blown up by Frieza. Didn't Frieza <laughs> like, uh, he like picked him up and then snapped his fingers and he, yeah. he like exploded or something. Cause I remember Frieza. His his line after he pop, you know explodes Krillin is pop goes the weasel. Yes, that happened or, in the episode where where Goku. It's kind of like the 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 the, the final marinade, if you if I can borrow your word. Oh, before know. he <laughs> goes Super Saiyan. 
before he goes super saiyan. It was kind of it was the catalyst. Who did Frieza? Yeah, that's the proverbial straw that broke the uh, super saiyan's back. So I mean, that's yeah, that's that's the thing that drove him over the edge when he says like, "My best friend." Oh no, Frieza, no. I, I just have to say, if, I, if we have to be sympathetic to a human Dragon Ball character, I have always been a fan of Yamcha. Because when I was introduced to Yamcha, I did, uh, I should say that I, I, I remember watching at least a little bit of Dragon Ball before watching Dragon Ball Z. Um, I, I even may have been a little confused as to like why Goku was suddenly an adult. Um, but Yamcha, I remember in that show, sort of being kind of like the edge lord or whatever you want to call him like he it, it was taken a bit more seriously and then by the time he gets to dragon ball z he's like dead within like the first like little bit and i remember there was one but ep- there was like a majin buu episode i was watching um where just like they weren't even necessarily trying to make him cool or, or anything in any kind of way <laughs> just kind of like another civilian around they're just like why am i hanging out with like these people <laughs> nukes are about to go off i i remember an episode speaking of yamcha the the only real yamcha uh thing that pops in my head is when uh because he was pretty jealous he had he had always had a thing for bulma um and he was pretty I thought they were like together like didn't he they, get yeah cucked by vegeta or something <laughs> they were together for for a while and then vegeta showed up and like let's be honest i mean who can resist such a man uh but he i mean to be fair balma should have the one of the episodes i watched like he's he he very blatantly is like misogynistic misogynistic towards her and like basically calls her an idiot yeah no it's not there's there's not great moments uh but he is trying to yamcha is trying to prove that he is just as strong as vegeta and another thing i love about this series is there's like these rooms that where the rules of reality mean nothing. Like there are rooms where it's like, yeah, we can increase the gravity to like any time Earth's gravity and you'll experience it in that room. Or like there's a time chamber that if you go into a year passes for every day that you're into. And it's just like, sure, why not? Great. Let's let that happen. But he goes in in like after Vegeta had been training because, you know, he's a Saiyan. So we can go to like a hundred times Earth gravity and do whatever. And Yamcha did like five times Earth gravity and like, but almost died, almost killed himself with the amount. He really did become a, a punching bag the more that show went on, eventually fading into the background to be one of those characters that when the villain shows up, Yamcha throws himself at him first and easily gets destroyed. So we know like, oh, okay, we need a alien to come take care of this. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's funny that you kind of mentioned this, the increasing severity of the show as well. And I, I think I wonder, and this is my own kind of like speculatory material analysis, I wonder how much of that had to do with kind of what was happening in Japan. I, I think like when the show started was 1989, when uh, the first Dragon Ball Z episodes came out, if memory serves me correctly. And I think like three years later, Japan had their big... Um, economic bubble burst like the, there was all that asset inflation and overconfidence in the market and like the Japanese uh, economy just crashed and I wonder if you kind of see that parallel in terms of uh, the severity of the show and like the stakes being higher for these characters if that was like kind of weird uh, malaise in the mind of the animators like oh man like things are bad and uh, I, that was kind of reflected in the uh, what was happening with the characters in the in the universe as well? So they're they're stretching out the episodes to ensure for job security. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that was part of it as well. They're like, oh my god, we got to make we are uh, okay. This was originally supposed to be twenty episodes. We need to make it fifty. All right, we we got to have some job security. How long? I mean, I, go ahead, Nick. Uh, 
No, no, I was just say I'm, I'm not because I mean, if that happened in the early '90s, unless they were seeing it coming from a ways away, because the manga was done mostly during the late '80s, right? It went oh, really? until 1995. It went until 95. So I, I guess there's sort of a certain point. I, don't, I guess I don't really know what point they may land up with the bubble burst. But also, I mean, in Jap- a lot of Japanese pop culture, you know, a lot of it also stems from World War II and the dropping of the atomic bombs, which I mean is about as catastrophic as you can get. And that has def- is definitely something, and I'm not a Japanese culture expert or anything, but like from at least what, what I've seen, like that aspect of catastrophe and just sort of oblivion definitely it's omnipresent can in Japanese culture. In, in a, yeah. Exactly. Um, so I can see, you know, Dragon Ball is sort of the, you know, the peak of that where just like every other episode, like, like the world has to end. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and I think that's where the vulnerability of the characters comes from too, because I mean, like you had a nation when it was busy colonizing most of Asia, I think felt pretty, um, uh, invincible and powerful. And, you know, after the, you know, by the end of world war two, they're, they're kind of, you know, Oh God, like we were reduced to rubble. So I, I think that kind of, uh, historical memory is, is also present in, in the vulnerability of the characters, which I, I think is interesting to see. And it's funny too, cause like when Raditz shows up too, like if you look at the, uh, summary notes for the show or something like he comes to Goku and he's trying to bring him back to his, I think I read quote unquote, like, bloodthirsty say in nature and I, I i hear that kind of as like japan looking back fondly on its like imperial era like uh you know this, this guy that wants to return to samurai values versus a country now that sells like used panties out of vending machines so it's like sometimes i feel like i see that present in some of the characters uh like a lot of the villains um line of thinking you know man raditz the names in this show uh yeah, I, I I think you raised some interesting points, and I'd be really curious. Like, I wish that I I knew a little bit more, because I'd be curious to know some of the cultural reflections. I think the fact that learning that large swaths of Dragon Ball were stolen from the a Chinese novel somehow feels right in line with uh, <laughs> with Japan's culture. Yeah, uh, just as it were. A couple things that surprised not surprised me that i was reminded of watching the show this time around was uh the animation of course didn't look like that in my head whenever i'd look back fondly on it uh i i ended up watching because i have a i have some episodes of kai which is the remaster that did it looks really great but i saw some clips of the original and i was just like oh man there's a lot of scenes where people are just standing there for 30 seconds while their mouths move but their bodies sure don't uh, that's how I talked. That's exactly. <laughs> and also, unfortunately, um, any people of color. Not Japan's got a real problem with that, is what I'm trying to say. In well, I mean, yeah. Like, can we just talk about how Mr. Bopo is like clearly Ooh. a throwback to like minstrel cartoons from, um, yeah. like, yeah, the the uh, like our own weird history period. Uh, not weird, but. Uh, period of, of you know racism and, and stuff like that and like just to randomly see that in a dragon in like a japanese cartoon you're like what the hell is this doing here yeah mr mr popo is a is a really rough one now the further we get away from it oh my god right um well it's funny because like they tried coloring him blue like i remember like, cartoon network was like oh god we can't show this uh they're like how should we fix this they're like Make him blue, maybe no one will notice. And people still were like, wait a minute. Wait a I mean, if he's blue, at least you could be like, oh, he's... In, I mean, he's supposed to be non-human in some capacity, but there still kind of is 
just in his design, there's kind of a, a mysticism around that. And the fact that he looks a little bit like a minstrel cartoon character. Yeah. It not It's not great. And yet the character has um, also endured in being in like every single adaptation of Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> including like every single video game. So, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they haven't like Jabba the Hutt at him. You know, like uh, when they remade Star Wars or whatever, they, they uh, like turned Jabba the Hutt from just a guy to like this big space slug. And I'm like, why don't you just change? Like, why don't you just make him something else? Like, why do you insist on using this character's likeness? That's true. It's not even like important to the, the show. And he's really, really not. Uh, not after he. he Goku dies and like meets him for the first time or whatever. Uh, or no, wait, am I that? No, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of a not Mr. Poe. You're thinking of King Kai, right? King Kai, yes. Uh, though this is something funny here. I've just read here in 2004, Viz Media began to downsize Mr. Popo's lips digitally in the North American release of the Dragon Ball manga. We finally have the technology, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because that's the problem. We finally with the have character. the technology to stop racism, everybody. It's really, it's the lips we had an issue with, Viz Media. I was just going to say, for, like, that's all they did? That's where, that's where the issue really was. Uh, is, there, is there anything else, any other topics that we haven't uh, touched on yet with Dragon Ball Z that anybody wanted to bring up? I mean, there's like 291 I episodes know. worth of topics to bring up. I mean, this is, a, this is a show where we have to talk about the cultural idea of the show versus the specifics in right. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I mean, it's, you know, there's so many episodes. I feel like maybe it would have been more beneficial to just pick one saga, right? Because, I mean, those in and of themselves are like little micro universes in the world of Dragon Ball Z. So it's just like there's, there's so much going on in each one that's so different. Like, yeah. how do you. It's true. You know what? You know what, Ian? Thanks for bringing that up because uh, now we're going to have you on once every few months, and our mission will be. <laughs> All of us are going to watch a saga and then come together and break it down. Congrats. You just... I would be so down to do that. Just rewatch every DBZ saga and be like, all right, guys, how did we feel about Raditz and Vegeta and Nappa? I think you just created our first mini series. So <laughs> we'll talk off mic. We'll get that together. But I actually do <laughs> kind of love that idea. We've been looking for an excuse to watch all of Dragon Ball. Despite all of our criticisms, for some reason, we still find a desire it's to true. watch it so more. Let's. Let's now get to that part of the show where we talk about uh, is this thing is this a thing that we think is worth visiting today? We have talked about all of the not all of the but a number of negative aspects of it. The things now that we've looked back as adults and being like, why was I so into this? And yet we were we were really into this. It, but now having reflected upon it, have your feelings changed at all? Is this something you would still be interested in? Would you stop your future kids from from watching it? Ian, since you brought the show here, uh, and this is just our general overview before we start getting real specific in future episodes of watching every <laughs> saga, Dragon Ball Z in general, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, it's so funny that like you brought you brought this up earlier too about wanting to watch it with uh, with your kid. Um, do you have kids or not? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Yeah. So it's like I, I was thinking. I'm like, God, like. But I sit my kid down and be like, all right, like, you know, all right, son, it's time for you to, to today's the day you become a man. He's like, are we going to talk about the birds and the bees? <laughs> no, son, we're going to talk about Goku and Gohan. Um, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm not sure if uh, how I would feel if like I walked in and my kid watching uh, watching DBZ uh, and be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this journey for you, son. 
Um, <laughs> Good luck. You, you know what's so? <laughs> you know what's so far? I, I feel like I'm taking a long time to answer the question. When I was so, I rewatched the beginning because I feel like I remember the newer episodes pretty well, like the Frieza saga, the Cell saga. I did watch the Boo saga. I don't remember enjoying it that much. Maybe I was just too old, which maybe is the answer to my own question, but. I feel like I was really engaged with uh, the the Raditz storyline, you know, coming back like oh, you're actually an alien from outer space. Like it's it's cheesy, but I mean it's really entertaining. Um, the characters are always underdogs. Who doesn't want to root for the underdog? They always find a way to to kind of make it work. Um, they're, they're always on the hook. There's always someone like bigger and better coming, so they always got to kind of keep preparing. So I I feel like in that sense. There, there is something like lastingly relevant about it. This, this idea that like you're never done getting ready for the next challenge, um, and it's corny and it's cheesy and it's so funny because like I actually rewatched it with my wife, and she was having a much more negative reaction than I was. <laughs> like she was like, "This is so lame," and I was like, "Yeah, like this is totally. This isn't awesome. You're right. Sorry, babe." <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think. God, I I, I kind of want to cheat and like piggyback off your guys' answers. Like, what what do you guys think? And then I'll I'll like I'm gonna keep thinking about it while you talk. Nick, Nick, what do you think? What where are God. you at? Um, I mean, it's gonna take me about 200 episodes to really get to the part. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to say. I mean, so listen, I when I was watching it, and I mean, I was like, you know, we only watched like four or five episodes, right? So I was really only like losing, you know two hours of my life or something but at the same time like like even within those two hours i was like i'm i'm losing time like i'm i'm i can feel the wrinkles growing on my face <laughs> in some of these episodes um like it's just as a kid i think as i had said earlier like i think we just we at least whether we had time or not we had the perception of having all the time in the world we weren't worried about jobs we weren't worried about like have i done that meaningful thing i'm supposed to do before i die you know yet and but so we didn't really care about our time and now as like an adult and i mean to be fair i still do a lot of things to waste my time so i'm really kind of talking out of my butt here but um i still felt while watching this like i i could have better things to do well than this but then after i was done i was like what's the best way for me to like watch all of this should i just focus on kai like there's still a, an urge that like even if i can probably to a very scary accuracy guess every single plot point in development in the show without even knowing it like i still there's a part of me that still wants to experience that and maybe that's the younger person inside of me screaming to get out um Literally screaming in the case of literally, Dragon Ball Z. literally <laughs> screaming, um, but at the same time, it's you know my tastes have evolved, and so as David likes to point out, my imaginary children who don't exist. Um, is this something I would sit down with them? And I think it's it's there is something fun about it. Um, and I think I'd have to give the kids credit that if I set them down with it and explain that, like you know, watch this, but you know it's like it's it's basically toxic masculinity the series like let's <laughs> solve our problems with violence um <laughs> and basically zero diplomacy um and i mean there, there's there's there are and, as you know we we're always talking about some of like the very overt race racism like aesthetically racist aspects of it and um it doesn't mean that the series is irredeemable there there's still a lot about it to enjoy there's a reason that it's still popular today mm -hmm. you yeah. know but um 
it's weird. Yeah, I'm really in this str- I guess now I'm like, I don't now I want to what David's going to say so that when he's done, maybe I can <laughs> yeah. conclusion. Um I, so go ahead, David. I think I think we're we're coming up against one of the hardest things with this show, which is nostalgia is so powerful. Which is yeah. I, I watch this and there's a part of me that is like, I see all the cracks, I see all the flaws, I see the ways in which culturally oh boy, this is wrong. And yet I want more because maybe it taps into that part of me that it is a kid. And, you know, I'm trying, we're, we're constantly trying to recapture those more carefree moments, uh, which I think is, is okay to do as long as we are honest with ourselves about why we're doing it and not, not going around saying like Dragon Ball Z is the greatest anime of all time. Cause it's not, not by a long shot. It's incredibly influential. It obviously, there's reasons why it's popular, but more popular so with a much younger audience than people who are in their 30s. I think that as a kid's show, it's going to hold up because it's exciting and and it's it's going to be entertaining. And, it, you know, it, there's there's some really cool stuff that's happening. But because I don't have if this was a if this was a 20 episode series a tight action oriented 20 episode series that I could watch on Netflix right now. Yes, I would watch it. The fact that even reduced, there's still almost 200 episodes of this uh, means that I don't know when I will ever find the time for it. Yeah. That, That my interest in it is, is not true in the way of I'm going to be making time because there's other stuff that really does interest me I think on a different level now that I'm going to find the time to watch that is also much, much shorter. If I had all the time in the world, yeah, I'd rewatch Dragon Ball Z. I don't. So I, I won't, except for the fact that I really do think we are going to do this saga by saga rewatch. (laughs) (laughs) What it it sounds like is, is that the, the consensus, and this might be a first on our show so far, but basically we don't recommend it, but we're going to go do it anyway. What I, what I I don't (laughs) recommend uh, Nick, I was gonna say Nick made a really brings up a really good point. Like if he if he sits down to like watch this, all right, let's watch this. Uh, you know, toxic masculinity this series, um, which which I love and I'm stealing by the way, Nick. Yeah. Um, but it's like maybe maybe the question isn't you know does it hold up for us as adults, but like does it hold up for this next generation of kids? Mm. Because I think DBZ is kind of like the uh, the anime gateway drug, right? Um, it, it does introduce, I think, a lot of interesting themes that you don't see, you didn't see in a lot of American cartoons during this era, you know, this themes of like sacrifice and patience and endurance, um, which is interesting to see in, in a children's cartoon. So uh, maybe it's not necessarily like, does it hold up for us as adults? But like, well, you know, if we had kids, would we be like, yeah, watch the show. I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, yeah, like maybe like, I mean, what mm-hmm. do you, if it came down to like, uh, okay, son, you can pick one Adventure Time or Dragon Ball oh. Z. Then it's like, oh. you know, maybe Adventure Time is yeah. the more, Definitely. is the better show in this instance to kind of expose them to, to more, even better themes with like, deeper philosophical questions i i would agree with that for sure i think a lot of my stuff comes down to now is like if you're an adult who never watched dragon ball z uh it would be really hard for you to start i i I don't think i can recommend to people now unless i had a friend that's like you know what i have too much time and not enough (laughs) stuff to fill it i would say boy have i got the show for you uh if I, I saw somebody who's like, I'm going to watch Dragon Ball Z for the first time. And he's 
you know, in his thirties and like his kid is like one year old. And I'm like, buddy, watch Kai, save yourself at least six hours of your life. Uh, you'll be, and, you'll at least be able to make it to your kid's graduation. Right. When by you're the done. time, by the time that you're done. <laughs> it, it's, I, so I think what we're, what we're all kind of agreeing on here with is it's a big part of our childhood. There's like a weird pull towards it for us because it speaks to, to something about our childhood. But now as adults, we're able to remove ourselves and step back enough from it to be like, ain't nobody got time for that. Uh, so, yeah. And, and I think also to your point, besides the, the time aspect of it, just it's, you know, I, as, as a parent, as, uh, oh, I'm, as an imaginary parent, I suppose. <laughs> I, the, I love that we're all these like imaginary parents in this scenario. Like, well, for my imagination, son. Right. I can't actually speak from the position of being a parent. So I, again, probably talking out of my butt here, but you know, the, you know, I I have, you know, experienced all of this, say, violent media, right? And I think it would be presumptuous of me to say that, like, well, you know, I'm not going to expose my kid to, to violent media. But I think that I've, I've, as I've grown up and as I've, you know, continued to experience and, and, and found, like, what I've liked and what, what I don't like, I, I think my parents did a, a, an okay job of raising me. Love you, mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the... But I also feel like this isn't a show that I just, I don't necessarily want to be the annoying parent, but I also feel like, you know, if my kid's interested in this, I'm not necessarily going to stop them. We we had read a Mr. Popper's Penguin uh, a while back, um, which yeah. was a really interesting read. And that was also a book where like, there was a lot that was really funny about it and silly and, and, and cute. And I could totally get why kids like it, but they're also like for its time, there was a lot of really problematic elements you know, that like, I, I feel like if my kid was sort of reading it on their own accord and maybe they sort of internalize some of the stuff that they pick up from that book, like, I just at least, it seems weird. It's like, I need to have a conversation with my child about Dragon Ball Z. Like, it's going to be drugs, <laughs> porn, and Dragon Ball Z. Like, there's just something, son or daughter, that like you need to understand when you watch this that maybe you shouldn't emulate or internalize. <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of where I fall. It, it, it's still it, it, you can still watch it. Your, your yeah. kids can still watch it, but like just be aware of sort of what you're getting into when you do. One, honey, one, you're gonna want to do a kamehameha on your friends, and you're gonna want to fight that impulse. Right? Yeah. I'm here to tell you <laughs> as really, your guardian, as someone not who to did it to that. their friends, don't don't do that. No uh, spirit bombs outside of the home. Oh, spirit bomb. <laughs> uh, I think too. This is something that's come a couple times where. One thing that I, I always, when my friends do this online, I die so hard inside. Uh, it's one of the few times where I actually really cringe inwardly is when people are like, today I showed my kids the original Mario game, parenting done right. <laughs> I introduced them God, to something who, I Who love. do you know that's doing this? We have to hunt them. I, I agreed. Uh, where I don't <laughs> think I'm ever going to be like, hey, you know what, son? I like Dragon Ball Z. Now you watch Dragon Ball Z. But if they like show an interest in that kind of stuff, then I might be like, oh, okay, you may, like this is a show that I liked when I, I was your age. Maybe you'll really enjoy it. But I don't think it's going to be a show that I'm going to force on my kid in any way and be like, and now sit here and watch, watch Gohan fight Cell. <laughs> you want to do sports? Only, only, only losers do sports. Sit here and watch <laughs> King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. Okay, <laughs> no, I, bad I Nick. Up every once in a while. Bad Nick. My bad. Oh, there's a lot yeah, to I did... go ahead. I was, I was gonna say it's, it's funny. Yeah, just like even talking about it this way, like uh, I'm thinking about you know using it as like a parenting tool. It's, it's funny. Like there's almost this weird kind of perverse Mister Rogers element to it, like uh, showing that. 
yeah, anger is an important emotion. In, in some instances, even even a good emotion, like it, it helps you get things out that need to get out. And like turning super sane, maybe this could be a really weird metaphor for like Maslow's self-actualization or something like that. Maybe we'll have to dive back deeper into that <laughs> in the, the saga rewatch. There's so much to say about Dragon Ball Z and we've barely gotten to scratch the surface. So listeners, oh, yeah, for sure. Listeners, let us know your thoughts. So, so, so like a Dragon Ball Z episode. Like a Dragon, yeah, we we ba- we barely got into this, this. This this was all intentional. Like we basically just decided to be shallow this whole time just just to emulate it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, hit me one more time.com is where you can find all the ways to reach us. Let us know your thoughts as we are getting ready to get out the door though. We want to know where people can find our our guests and find all of us in case you want to see what we're up to. Ian, thank you again for being on the show. Uh, David, thank you guys so much for having me, man. I, I had a blast hanging out with you and Nick. Uh, I, I hope we get to do it again soon. Yeah, it was great having you on. If people want to follow you, your work, find uh, Camp Re-Education, where can they do that? Uh, so we're pretty much everywhere, you know, we're on Twitter at Camp Reeducation, Instagram at Camp Reeducation. Um, we've got, you know, campreeducation.com, the website. You can uh, log on to there and see pictures of me and my co-host in a tub. Um, <laughs> just, I'll leave that to your imagination. Uh, and then, of course, you can check us out anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We're on, uh, you know, iTunes, Spotify, Google, uh Podbong for our Korean listeners. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, hunt us down, find us, and uh, hilarity will hopefully ensue. It, it better. Your money back, uh, by the way. <laughs> not spending any money on this. Nick, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter, at Nick, and I will tell you the rest next episode. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, what about you, David? People can find me under the username Davluz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter and Instagram. You can find me there and see what I'm up to. That is going to do it for us here today. Listening audience, thank you for being a part of it. We do this show for you, and we do this show because of you. Remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time. Hey!